because I can do, 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 I get that bass drum going. Mm-hmm. Do you take requests? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. They, uh, they finally start to come out of that country realm and so <laughs> that thing. Because they were just so used to doing country music. It's not actually that thing. Now, you know, we're doing all kinds of stuff. Sing Jeremiah Walls and Jeremiah the Walls coming down with Jeremiah. He said it was it was it was a guitar place. It was we played with some bands and and, and you know and it was doing good and and just something happened. He said he just got he didn't want to play no more because he, he felt like he was not, he wasn't doing it right or something. So he quit playing for two years. He said I picked up my guitar one time in three years. But then mm-hmm. started praying for the Lord. He prayed all the time. He started praying. For
sing, when they sing, you can't understand a word they say. A lot, a lot of singers, I know that uh, the, 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 the words don't come out. Like They're probably Latin line again. This is my CD, so I can understand everything I'm saying. Maybe because I said it. Even the chords. I could, I could get the chords. I ain't be able to say that. I'll play them. We'll listen to the record. They're not the same. They, they leave stuff out. You know? No, right. That's that. Right. She must be from the she must be sure be from the south, huh? <coughs> but the people around here, you know, when yeah, God, we thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you for this time together this morning. God, we honor you right now. Lord, we invite you to be here with us. Lord, I ask that you fill this place with your Holy Spirit, with your joy and your peace, God. We thank you and we love you, God. We pray this in Jesus' name.
what the Lord has done. He healed my body. He touched my mind. He saved me. It was just in time. Oh, I'm going to praise His name. Each day is just the
D D chord. That'll be good. <coughs> Does everything sound okay to y'all? Yep, sounds good. good to me. Yeah. As long as they don't fool with the buttons back there, we're good to go. <laughs> Kenny, we're watching you. Kenny's the layman today. Keep your hands up like that so we can see y'all. Kenny, hands. I didn't see those words rolling. I was looking for the words. Getting slacker, slacker back there. quite tuned. sermon notes for today, and uh, we're talking about developing trust, and, uh, and you know, who are you going to trust? I mean, think about that. Who are you going to trust? So far in this series, we're doing a series on values to live by, and we're doing it a little bit different because we're doing it on Sundays, and then the next part's on a Wednesday, and the next part's on a Sunday, and uh, so you either have to go back to a Wednesday service to watch that, or you need to come to all of them, and, uh, and so... Uh, we started out uh, talking about developing your standards. What standard are you going to base your life on? Are you going to base it on culture? Are you going to base it on what you think? Are you going to base it on what God says? And so we talked through that on the first. And too many people today base what they believe, base how they act and how they live on culture, which is always changing. And uh, then we talked about uh, last week uh, or last time, it was on Wednesday, about accepting responsibility for your life, you know, none of us, we live in a culture that nobody wants to take the blame for anything, you know, if you're, you know, a politician, it was the last guy's fault, you know, and the next one's going to say it's your fault, and nobody wants to take the blame for anything, and it started way back with Adam and Eve, Adam blamed Eve, Eve blamed the snake, and the snake didn't have anybody to, to blame, so he didn't have a leg to stand on, so to speak, but, um, so the next question that comes up is, who are you going to trust? Who are you going to trust? And, and as we've talked about the decline in values in our culture, one of the big values that's, decli- that's gone away is, the, is that we don't trust anybody. 
uh, we just don't trust anybody. I mean, who do you trust? You know, when I was a kid, you, you seemed like you could trust the authorities. For instance, my parents trusted the teachers, and if the teachers told them I was wrong in school, I was wrong when I got home, okay? There wasn't any going to the school and arguing on my behalf. You did something, and, so you, and I got the belt when I got home. You know, now teachers want to go to the school and beat, I mean, the parents want to go to the school and beat the teacher up. You know, it's just crazy, uh, you know, where we've gone. And, and so, you know, customers don't trust businesses. Employees don't trust their bosses. Clients don't trust their attorneys even. And, and nobody trusts the media or the government, right? I mean, you know, there's just nothing anymore. Uh, somebody did a survey. It was the least trusted professions in America. Uh, telemarketers. How many of y'all love those things? You know, isn't it? I liked it better when they couldn't call cell phones. And, uh, you know, it, but telemarketers. Uh, you know, used car salesmen. Uh, you know, I, I, I usually just wait long enough to tell them to don't call me anymore, and it never works. It doesn't work to hit the two to tell them not to call. I really probably need to start asking them, do you know Jesus? And start with, They'll put me on a do not call list if I do that. But, um, but anyway, we did, I mean, the least trusted profession, telemarketers, used car salesmen. How many of you love to go buy a car? I mean, man, it's like I'd rather get a root canal without the Novocaine. I mean, you know, it's just like, uh, you know, media. Uh, nobody trusts the media. The, and, and the bottom, the very bottom, are the people we should be able to trust, but they're our politicians. Somebody one time said if their lips are moving, they're lying. And, uh, you know, and so, uh, you know, and that's just kind of the way it's become. The most trusted professions, one was, was preachers. We finally moved up ahead of insurance salesmen. I mean, it, it's, uh, but there's this, been this decay in our culture. So what's behind it? We talked about this a couple messages ago. It's not tooth decay. It's truth decay. That's what, uh, I don't know why we don't have slides for that, but uh, they're not keeping up. But truth decay, you can write that down. That's the cause of, of everything that's going down. We don't live in a, in a culture anymore that values truth. They don't. I mean... Uh, you, you think about it, uh, you know, the, the, the media, you know, doesn't care about anything but ratings. Uh, you know, uh, it, it doesn't matter if it's true anymore. Uh, you know, society doesn't care. I mean, with the news, all they want are ratings, you know, and I tell people that all the time. Doesn't matter which side you're on, they want ratings, and they have these intense headlines to what? Get you to watch. And, uh, and then they come out with some outlandish stuff. And uh, so listen, we need to understand this. Truth and trust go together. Truth and trust go together. You've got to have both. You don't trust people that don't tell you the truth. When you know somebody's lying, you don't trust them, right? And you shouldn't trust them. And, uh, and so uh, truth and trust go together. And most of our culture today would say this, that there is no truth. What, it's kind of like Pilate, you know, what is truth? When he said in the Bible, and his wife said, if you don't know it, I can't help you. But uh, some of y'all wives feel that way. But, you know, uh, you know what is truth? Uh, we have truth, but most of our culture doesn't believe that there's a truth that's true all the time. Uh, they don't believe uh, that, that there's any uh, absolute truth. And, and, and if that's true, that you can't trust anyone, uh, you know, if there is no truth, then you can't trust people. You can't trust people or systems that are in place. And 
And so it causes a lot of stress because here's the deal. God has wired us. We are wired. We are created to trust something bigger than us. And when that trust is taken away, that we, there's nothing to trust, it causes stress in our lives. And, and that's why when people don't trust God, when they don't trust the God that we trust, they're going to build something uh, to trust in. It might be their education. Yeah, I've seen some of the dumbest people have three or four PhDs. I mean, you know, it, 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 education has become their God. Or, or maybe it's money or power or science or relationships or you just fill it in, but, but people will put something in place. It might be government. For a lot of people, it is government. And, uh, and, and let me tell you, that's a bad thing to put it in. But, but they will create something to trust that's bigger than them if they don't have a faith in God. So I want you to write this down. Anything I trust more than God is an idol. It, it's not a little cow that somebody carved out of wood or a totem pole. Although I've seen people do that. We went to a meeting one time, and uh, this lady was basically wanting us to worship the totem pole. And it's like, you know, it's one of these eclectic things as a chaplain's deal. And it's like, nobody did. You know I mean? It's like, I am not turning to face the totem pole. But anyway, uh, but, but people, anything you trust more than God is an idol. That's the definition, really, of what an idol is. Anything we trust more than God. And that's the second commandment, uh, Deuteronomy 4, 15 and 16. <clears throat> the Lord spoke to you from the fire on Mount Sinai. You did not see any form. He said, when he spoke, you didn't see him. You only heard him. For your own good, then, make certain that you do not sin by making for yourselves an idol in any form at all, whether man or woman. So we're not to make any kind of idol but for our own good. I want you to look at that. It's for our own good. <laughs> you know, and so... Uh, we're not to make idols. So today we're going to look at three questions. What happens when I trust something else more than God? Why does it seem so difficult to trust God? And number three, what are the reasons that I really need to trust God with my life? And I'm going to try and sell that to you and, and, and do that. But before I do, I was looking and, and Boudreaux had, had uh, Boudreaux been missing for a couple of days. And Clotilde suggested that Marie go to the sheriff's office and file a missing persons report. But when they got there, Deputy Guidry asked for a description of Boudreaux. He said, can you describe what Boudreaux looked like? So Marie tells Deputy Guidry, said, Boudreaux is 25 years old. He's 6 foot 5 tall. Well, he's 190. He's very well built and very handsome. Soft-spoken and treats me like a queen. Well, Clotilde, with a surprised look on her face, said, Marie, Boudreaux is 50 years old, 5 foot 4 tall, weighs 260 pounds, fat like a pig and ugly as sin itself, loud and obnoxious, and treat you like trash. And Marie was smiling and said, yeah, but if they find this one for me, Boudreaux can stay lost. And so, so you know, I mean, if your wife is named Marie, you might not want to be trusting her, you know. So, All right. So what happens when we trust anything more than God? If you trust Marie more than God, you're going to be missing. And, uh, but anyway, there's two negative effects when we trust something more than God. One when I trust something more than God, you are going to be disappointed every single time. Anytime we put anyone or anything uh, in place of God, expecting that to meet the needs of our lives that only God can meet, we're going to be disappointed. It just won't work. It, it doesn't even have to be something bad. I mean, it can be families. I mean, family, nothing's wrong with family uh, unless we think that 
that that family is going to replace where God needs to be in our lives. You might say a spouse. Somebody says, if I just meet the right person, and then you meet him and still something's missing because even that spouse won't take the place of where God is. There's a, there's a hole in your heart that's the size that only the cross will fill. And, uh, and so it's not even a spouse. A lot of people, it's job. If I could just get the perfect job. And after you've worked there about 25 years, you're going, oh, Lord. But, you know, it doesn't fulfill what you think. I mean, it's good to have a job. It's good to have a good job that you enjoy. But it's not going to take the place of God. Money won't take the place of God. Somebody asked Jay, uh, not, not J. Edgar Hoover, uh, 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 Getty, J. Paul Getty, and said, how much is enough? He was the richest man in the world at the time. He said, just a little bit more. Here's a guy who had more money than anybody on the planet at that time. And he said, I just need a little bit more. That's enough. See, it doesn't satisfy because only God can satisfy. So when we put those things in the place of God, we've created an idol, and idols will never meet your needs. Jeremiah said this. He said, at the sight of this, at the sight of the idols, people feel stupid and senseless. Those who make idols are disillusioned. They're disillusioned because the gods they make are false and lifeless. Now think about that. People make something and then they bow to worship it. They're disillusioned and, uh, because it, it's, it's false. It's a false, false god. Whether it's your work, whether it's your relationships, whether, whatever it is. Then Habakkuk 2.18, he says, Of what value is an idol since a man has carved it? Or an image that teaches lies? For he, he who makes it trusts in his own creation. Folks, if I can create it, I don't need to place my trust in it for my destiny, for my decisions, or anything like that. And, and when somebody in a primitive culture carves something out, we say, oh, man, that's stupid. I've even, when I used to run, I'd see people in their yards kneeling in front of a statue in their yard. Now I'm thinking, that's dumb, but we do the same things. We do it with our relationships, our careers, our bank accounts, our kids, whatever. And we act as if those things are going to give us all the significance we need for our lives. And, uh, and our self-worth and all that. I, let me tell you something, it won't. A lot of people, and it's, it's good to pour into your kids. Your kids didn't ask to be born. You brought them into this world. You need to raise them, but you raise them to leave. And then they leave, and they're no longer, are you the center of their universe, them and their husband or wife and their kids are. And, and so uh, it's going to change. If that's where you get your significance, you're going to be disappointed. It's amazing to me how, how people come up with all sorts of things to put their trust in instead of God. I mean, it. when I look at it, it's like, really? Are you thinking? I mean, think about it. Uh, people spend millions of dollars on psychic hotlines. I remember back in the 70s when I first heard somebody advertising a psychic hotline, I said, who would be dumb enough to call one of these? But a lot of people do. Psychic hotlines, horoscopes, palm reading. You know, I mean, they, I don't know if they still do. I don't look, but they... Horoscopes used to be in the newspapers, and people would go looking at them, and, and you'd, somebody would ask your birthday, and they'd say, oh, you're a what, this or a that, and I said, no, I'm a child of God, and it negates all that stuff, you know, and, and, uh, but people look at horoscopes, palm reading, tea leaves. We, I mean, you can go down in the corner, and they got tables set up with palm readers and card readers and, and all that kind of stuff, and, and every time we walk down there, which is very rare, and uh, I think I'm, I'm lucky, I haven't been down there in two years, I don't think, but but I would pray as it go by, but you don't have to go to the corner. You can drive down 4th Street. You can drive down Jefferson Highway. There's a, a palm reader on the corner of Jefferson and Central. People spend money to go have somebody that's a fraud tell them what their future's going to be. And, uh, and so 
But, but that's what they're looking for. We create these things instead of simply trusting God. You know, instead of simply trusting God. You're going to be disappointed if that's you. Look what the Bible says. The poor, deluded fool feeds on ashes. He trusts something that can't help him at all. Let me tell you, all those palm readers, tea leaves, none of those people can help you. Only God can. Yet he cannot bring himself to ask, is this idol that I'm holding in my hand a lie? Sure it is. And uh, when you trust anything more than God, you're going to be disappointed. Second consequence of trusting something more than God is you're going to be dominated. You're going to be dominated when you trust something more than God. Uh, Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 12, too, he said, You know why you were still heathen. In other words, while we were lost, you were led astray or controlled by the idols that we worship, lifeless idols that we worship. And, and, and you know, if I asked you to make a list of the top ten most important things in your life, and anything other than God is at the top, you've created yourself an idol. You've created yourself an idol. I, and, and eventually, it will take control. You may think you control it, but it eventually will take control of you. Look what the Bible says, Psalms 115.8. says, and those who make idols are just like them, because what you value the most, you become like. So, you know, whatever you value, you become like. If it's money, I'm going to become more materialistic. If, if it's... Um, you know, if it's pleasure, I'm going to become, you know, more pleasure-seeking or a hedonist. If it's whatever works, I'm going to be a pragmatist. If it's Jesus, I'm going to be more like Jesus. You know, so whatever you value the most, you're going to become like that. And, uh, and, and listen, whatever we try to become like, if it's not Jesus, it's going to mess us up. It's going to warp us. And uh, so let me ask you, have you ever wondered why we do this? We tr- why do we trust everything in the world but God? We do it because we want God, a God that we can control. Think about it. We want a God that we can control. We want, we want to shrink him down to size so we can manage him to help us. We want him in certain areas of our life. We want him on my Sunday, but I don't want him on my Saturday night. We want him on our, on our Wednesdays, but we don't want him on Friday night or whatever. We want to shrink him down. Uh, really what we want is a genie in a bottle. How many of you remember the old show, I Dream of Genie? That's what we want. Somebody can can blink their eyes and make a new car appear, whatever, you know I mean? That's what we want. We want a genie that'll do whatever we want. And, um, and that's just not who God is. That's not who God is. A lot of times we talk about this building being the house of God. But let me tell you something. Look at this scripture. The most high God does not live in houses made by men. See, God is too big to live in this house. He's too big for the universe. He created the universe. And it's important. It's important if you get this. We all try and put God in some kind of box. We put him in our church box or whatever our beliefs are. And listen, he's too big for any box. There's, there's some truth in probably in every denomination on the planet that's a Christian denomination. There is no truth in Buddhism, Muhammad, all that stuff, uh, Islam. But, but we, we tend to, we want to put him in a box. And it's important because how you see God is going to determine the values that you base your life on. How you see God is going to determine the values. Do I exist for God or does God exist for me? Let me just tell you something. And I go ahead and save you some trouble. You exist for God, not the other way around. You see, and, and too often, we want to act like, uh, you know, uh, God exists for us. He's not a genie in a bottle. And God made us in his image. But how often do we try and make him in our image? We're trying to shrink him down. And we see God like we see ourselves, fallible and all that kind of stuff. 
and, uh, and, and so we want God in our lives, uh, but we want him to be the God that we're, we're thinking about, you know, and, uh, and we put him in our image. And if we can't do that, we shrink him. We create a God that will fit our lifestyle because we want him to say, hey, Robert, that's okay for you to do that. Man, it's okay for you to, to go live with anybody you want to live with and not be married. It's okay to have babies out of wedlock. It's okay to go get drunk on Saturday night. Robert, I know you had a rough week. You can just go do whatever. That's what we want. We want a God that's going, oh, that's okay. That's okay. Go, go do what you need to do. You know, we, we want a God that's going, and we do this in our politics. Our po- politicians try and use God to justify something they're saying. And uh, let me ask you this. How many of y'all like to be misrepresented? None of us, right? I don't think God does either. I don't think God likes to be misrepresented, so it's important for us to understand who he is. A big thing people today do, I'm going to give you a big word, it's called syncretism. It's the combining of different aspects um, of different religions. Uh, you know, you take a little bit of this one, take a little bit of that one. You know, I like, I like uh, this thing about all people are God, and so we're going to take that, and we're going we're gonna to take a little of this, and we, we try and... We try and blend that all together to fit it uh, the way we want it. In other words, God is whatever you want him to be, right? And whenever we do these types of things, it's always going to lead to disappointment and dominance by the, by the other side of that. So the first question is what happens when we trust anything more than God? Disappointment and domination. Those are the second things. So why don't I trust God more? In other words, why do we trust everything but God? Why is that? Well, write this down. I don't trust God more because I don't really know God. I don't really know Him. I mean, think about it. You don't trust people you don't know. I mean, if a stranger came up and gave you some investment tips, you didn't know who he was, what his track record was, nothing about him, are you going to go invest in what he's telling you to invest in? Are you going to take your life savings and put it in a stock or whatever he's telling No. We wouldn't do that. Not until we got to know him and know something about him. Well, the same thing is true about God. If you don't know God or what he's really like, if you don't know his character, if you don't know what he, who he is and what he's like, you won't trust him. So when he tells you what to do with your sexuality or your money or he tells you to forgive people that have hurt you, or you're not going to listen to him. You're not going to listen to him. You're going to question everything he says because you don't know him. You don't know him. But on the other hand, if you really know God, you know how much he matters to you and you know how much you matter to him. And you know that what he's really got in store for your life and how much he loves you and that he's got your best interest at heart. Then you can trust him. And you do what he asked you to do because you trust him and you know him. And it's always the right thing to do what Jesus wants us to do. Listen, he created you and he gave us an owner's manual. It's called the Bible. And I've found in my life that when I do things that the owner's manual tells me to do, it always works better. I, I mean, now I know guys, we typically will get a new TV, computer system, or stereo system, and we're not going to look at that owner's manual. About three hours later, when we still ain't got it put together, we look at the owner's manual. That's the way we are. We need to change that and read the owner's manual. You know, that way we can know who God really is. See, today, people get their idea from friends. They get it from social media. I mean, if you read social media about who God is, you, you remember the stripper Christian? She, her, her mission in life is to set women free from sexual uh, uh, 
appropriateness, we'll say, you know, and, and, uh, and so there's a lot of images of God. One, uh, you know, I had a book because uh, your God is too small, and one, uh, one was uh, God the policeman. A lot of people grow up with the idea that God is just the Holy, the Holy Spirit's given to us to catch us doing something wrong so he can spank us, so he can punish us, and we, and we see God that way, and there are a lot of people. They're finger pointers. They're fault finders. And God is the policeman. They think that. And then, uh, then the whole other side is God is Santa Claus. You know, a lot of people think God is Santa Claus. He's just this, he just this, you know, oh, man, you couldn't help that. I'm going to give you this stuff anyway. I'm, I'm gonna, oh, God, I need a new car. Oh, God, I need to win in numbers for a lot of Powerball. I, oh, God, I need, he's Santa Claus. He's just going to give you what you want. You see, now, now listen, I want you to understand God does love you. And there's nothing you can do about that, but he doesn't approve of everything we do, and he's not going to give us everything we want because he knows what's good and bad for us. A lot of people see God as the old man. There was an old movie, uh, I forget the name of, George Burns was God. I mean, and so they see God as an old man walking around smoking a cigarette. Got a few little tricks in his, in his bag, but he's not all powerful. You know, and he can't, he can't help me. He doesn't know all the answers. And then, you know, Star Wars ushered in this other one, that become popular. God is an impersonal force. The force be with you. Remember that? I mean, great movie, bad theology. Don't get your theology from anything Hollywood puts out. It's it basically Star Wars is pantheism, and that's what God's just a force, you know. And, um, and a lot of people buy into that, and it, it's the belief that God is in everything, and everything is God. And uh, that would mean that you and I are God, and we're not. And so God's not in everything, despite what everybody says. God created everything, and, uh, but he's not in everything, and nor is everything in God. And uh, it's, it's nothing new. Pantheism's been around a thousand years. So when somebody's got that, and they say, oh, it's this new belief. No, it's just a real low one getting recycled uh, through there. So if I were to ask you, how do you picture God? What picture pops in your mind? You see, when I say, what, how do you envision God? And, and we've done this with youth before. We have them draw a picture of what he might look like and stuff like that. And, and uh, you know, here's the, here's the hard, cold truth. It doesn't matter what you think. It matters what God says about who he is. I used to go to a church that said, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. But really, the truth is, God said it, that settles it, whether I believe it or not. So how do you picture God? What does God say about himself? And that's what matters. Psalm 910 says this, those who know the Lord trust him. When we know him, we can what? Trust him. If you don't know him, you're not going to trust him. So the more I know, that's why it's important is when God answers your prayers, journal that. Because that's what David did in Psalms. David would look back, and, and how many of them has David, does David recite? God delivered me from this. He delivered me from the lion, the bear. He delivered me from this. He delivered me from that. And Lord, I know you're going to deliver me from my enemies today. He was just reciting what God had done. It's important for us to do that because the more we know him, the more we trust him. So uh, why should we completely trust God? Let's look at that for a minute. I'm going to give you four reasons real quick. One, I should trust God completely because he's the truth. Write that down. He's the truth. God is truth. He doesn't lie. He's the embodiment of truth. Look, Hebrews 6.18 says this. He's given us both his promise and his oath, two things that we can completely count on. When God says he's going to do something, take it to the bank. Take it to the bank. We can count on it. 
For look what it says. It's impossible for God to tell a lie. Man. Now all those who flee uh, to him to save them can take new courage when they hear such assurances from God. Now they can know, circle that in your outline, without a doubt that he will give them salvation he's promised. See, look, we can count on God. He can't lie. People ask me all the time, is there anything God can't, can't do? Well, actually there is. He can't lie. He can't be something he's not. And God is truth. And he's not a liar. Jesus even said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. Jesus said, I am the truth. So in a world where people don't value truth, who do you turn to? It needs to be God because he is the truth. Romans 3, 4 says this, God will continue to be true even when every person is false. Think about that. Everybody, the media, the, the culture of today, say one thing, but God is still true. God is still right. And so you'll be shown right, Lord, when you speak, and you will win your case. See, God's always right. He's always right. He's always true. No matter what our media pundits say or what they're trending, they try and shrivel God down to just another religion. Keep him in a box. He's not. He's the creator of the universe. He's God Almighty. He's the King of Kings. So God wants us to know him so much. Listen to this. God wants us to know him so much that that he sent his son to live here and become God incarnate for us. If you ever want to know what God's really like, all you've got to do is look at Jesus. You see, Jesus is God incarnate. God become man. If you ever want to know what God is really like, you look at Jesus. He's the picture of God that we need uh, to, to look at. John 10, 30 said, the Father and I are one. The Father and I are one. And, uh, and, and so Jesus is saying, hey, look, we're the same. We're the same. That's hard to understand. Matthew 3, 17, this is what God said in a voice from heaven. said, this is my dearly beloved son. said, here you have, you have these things. Who do we trust? We trust God. We trust Jesus. Colossians 2, 9 said, for in Christ, look at this, all the fullness of God in human body. In Christ lives all the fullness. So everything God is, is in Jesus. Everything, his power. Now they, they, they take on three different personalities. You've got the, God the Holy Spirit, God the Son, and God the Father. But each one of those are completely God. Jesus isn't part God. He is God. The Holy Spirit isn't like third in command or weaker than, than he's God. They're all God. And so he says the fullness of God lives in a human body. So uh, if you want to know what God's like, you look at Jesus. How do we find out what Jesus is like? We read the Gospels. We read the Gospels. And, uh, and so that's why it's important to get into the, into the Word of God. Now I've had people tell me, and a lot of people in our culture think this, how do you know Jesus is the only way? Well, there's a lot of reasons for that, why Jesus is the only way. One is He said He is. Look what He said. John 14, 6. I'm the way... The truth and the life. And then look at this. No one, that's Greek for nobody, can come to the Father except through me. You can't go through Buddha. You can't go, to, you can't go through Allah or Muhammad or anybody else. You can't be good enough. You can't, none of that. You get there through a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what he's saying. Now listen, if Jesus is wrong, he's a liar. 
and he's misrepresented. He's not a great teacher. He's not a prophet. He's either a liar or he's who he said he was. Because he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but through me. And, and so we need to understand. Look at these verses. John, 1 John 14, 16. And so we know the love of God has for the love that God has for us. We know that if you've experienced it, you've felt it, and we trust that love. Because God is love. Those who live in him, uh, those who live in love, love in live in God, and God lives in them. In, in verse 18, it says, where God's love is, there's no fear. Here's why, because God's perfect love drives out fear. How do you get rid of fear? God's love. It drives out fear. And so what keeps, and think about it, what keeps most people from trusting God? Fear. They're afraid. Uh, people are afraid to trust. After all, nothing in our culture is trustworthy, right? So people are afraid. I mean, they're afraid that if they trust God, they're going to lose their freedom. I won't be able to do what I want to do. It's like the old boy that says, man, you Christians, y'all can't do anything you want to do. You can't go out drinking and carousing and doing all that. And the old boy said, well, I can't. I can do all of that. I can go carousing. I can go drinking. I just don't want to anymore. See, God changes our want tos. And, uh, but we don't lose our freedom. People say, well, you're going to lose your fun. You can't. I've never had more fun than I have since I've been a Christian. You don't have hangovers either. You don't have regrets. You know, you, you leave a good, good uh, fun worship concert or something, you're feeling good, and, and you, don't, you don't feel bad the next morning. You know, and, and so you don't lose your fun. Or, or the one I was always afraid of, you become a reli- I'm going to become a religious fanatic. I'm going to be a fanatic. And, uh, and, and listen, if you really know who God is, you know he's not going to turn you into a nutcase, all right? And I, we used to worry about that and used to make fun of him, a guy named... Uh, you know, uh, people used to say, well, they're just going to brainwash you. And I heard a guy one time say, uh, well, my brains were dirty and they needed washing. So, I mean, you know, we're, gonna, we're, we're not going to have any of those. You're not going to lose your freedom. You're going to have more fun than you ever did. And, uh, you know, somebody, I, I said religious fanatic. I had somebody say, you're going to be a holy roller. I said, well, my name's on the roll and I've been made holy by the blood of Christ. So I'm a holy roller. But, but anyway, the more you know God, the more you're going to trust him. That's the key. Number three, I should trust God because he is completely, and he's in control. It may not feel like it sometimes, but God's in control. He created the world, and one day he's going to end it. It's kind of like when your mama said, I brought you into this world, I can take you out. How many of y'all besides me ever had one say that to you? You know, when you have grandkids, they forget they ever said that. But, you know, you've had a mama say that, and and God can. You know, but... um, one day Jesus is going to come back. I, used, I saw a bumper sticker one time. He's coming back, and this time he's not riding a donkey. He's coming back on clouds. We were looking at a sunset the other day and said, there was like the clouds, and there was the sun was shining through this hole. It was like, man, wouldn't it? That's just like the perfect setting for Jesus to come through right there, you know? And uh, we were ready. I even had the, the car ready to coast to a stop straight, you know, if, if we ejected out of the car to heaven, you know what I mean? Listen, one day he's coming back. And there's nothing that you're going to do or I'm going to do that's going to speed it up or slow it down, despite what some TV preachers have said, that Jesus hasn't come back because people aren't giving enough. But, uh, you know, I mean, there's nothing we can do to change that. That's a preordained time, and Jesus is coming back when it's the time. And, uh, and he's going to do that. Listen, a- until then, he's got a purpose for us, and he's gotta, he'll work his purpose in our life. Look at Romans 8.28. That God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God. 
What does he say? Does he work some things together? All things. But Paul's not saying, let me tell you what he's not saying here. He's not saying that everything's good. COVID hadn't been good. Uh, you know, uh, certain things in politics may not be good. Somebody dying is not good. Rape isn't, isn't good. Evil isn't good. War's not good. Cancer certainly not good. Human trafficking, incest that we see going on in our country, none of that's good. God doesn't cause evil to happen. You see, when he created us, he gave us something that nobody, no other creation has, and that's called free will. See, we have the freedom to choose right and wrong, and unfortunately in our world, people choose to do wrong. They choose to do evil. And, uh, but God, but you know, Paul's saying here, God will take that and work it for good of those who love him. So when you see the news, I know a lot of people watch the news and they get wigged out. They're scared to death. Uh, you know, I don't get wigged out. I don't, I don't, I'm, it doesn't make, sometimes it makes me mad. I don't like what's going on, but I know God's in control. I know God's in control. Now, if I didn't know God's in control, if I didn't know that God's going to bring good out of whatever is going on, then I would be afraid. But understand, God always works for the good of those who love him. How many of y'all love Jesus today? God is working for your good. Everything that happens. So, I mean, you know, I mean, if you look at the news, it would scare you. Now, let me just say something about our ability to choose. One of the great things that God did was he created us with that free will. And, and we can choose, we can choose, make choices about what we're going to do. That ability is not unlimited, however. You can choose to cheat. You can choose to be mean. You can choose to thumb your nose at authority. You can, you can choose to thumb your nose at God and say you don't believe in God. You're free to make those choices. But you're not free to dictate the consequences of those choices. See, God said, hey, you can make any decision you want, but there are consequences to those choices. There's consequences, uh, you know, and, um, and so God is in control, and you make a choice, and there's going to be a consequence to that choice. If you go out drinking every night and driving, eventually, you're gonna, you're gonna, first you're going to have a hangover, eventually you're going to have a wreck, and kill yourself or kill someone, uh, or you're going to go to jail. Uh, you know, if you do drugs, pregnant, your child's going to be born addicted to drugs. And we've, mental health and our police have had to deal with so many crack babies over the years, you know, and stuff like that. I mean, and if you cheat on your taxes, Chrissy can't even help you. You'll go to jail or pay huge fines, you know. You decide to, to live an immoral life, things are going to happen in your life. It's going to be miserable things. There's consequences to all of our actions, all of our choices. We can choose. We've got the freedom to choose. God gives us the choice. I can choose not to, to eat right, and, and, and I'm going to have all kinds of health issues. I can choose not to exercise, and, and I'm going to be out of shape. Or I can, you know, whatever you choose, there's consequences to those choices. So God says, here's a line. Don't step over it. We need to listen to him. Fourth thing is I should trust God completely because he will help me. Guys, God is not here to condemn you. He's here to help you. There's thousands of promises in the Bible, but I want to read you one. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. All of your heart. Trust Him. And don't depend on your own understanding. Remember the Lord in all you do, and He will give you success. See, God knows what's best for you, and He's going he's gonna, to, if you'll trust Him, He'll give you success in your life. And you'll have a successful life. 
Look at, look at that where he says, don't depend on your own understanding. A lot of times, it's going to take courage to not depend on your own understanding because what God wants you to do may seem crazy. Like coming to church on Sunday morning. The world out there, the people that aren't here, and aren't, they're, they're, that looks different to them. Or, or saying, you're going to come volunteer and do something like a harvest fest and give out candy to people you don't know. That's crazy. Or that you're going to give 10%. You're going to tithe back to the Lord. Those are crazy. Or you're going to forgive somebody that did something to you. See, those, those are things God tells us to do that in our own understanding don't make sense. But he said, don't trust your own understanding. Remember the Lord and all you do, and he will give you success. So how do you know you're trusting God? It's really about how quickly we obey what he tells us to do. I mean, get, think about this. If you're a little kid and you're in the middle of the street and, and you're facing this way, but behind me a, a semi-truck's coming and your dad yells your name and says, get out of the street now. Now, if you think, who's he to tell me what to do? I mean, I'm not, I'm not listening to him, I, you know, and you get run over by an 18-wheeler. But if you know him and you trust him, what do you do? You get out of the street, right? So how quickly we obey him determines how we trust him. Are we trusting God? You know, you know, if you know your dad's going to tell you the truth, that he loves you, he's got the best out for you, if he yells in an urgent tone for you to do something, you're going you're gonna to do it. And that's the same way with God when he's given us that stuff. There's a verse that describes our culture today. The people have appointed kings without my consent and princes without my approval by making idols for themselves from their silver and gold, jobs, whatever. They have brought about their own destruction. And that's what's happening in our culture. We're destroying ourselves through the idols that we've made, that we've created. We've systematically, over the last 50, 60 years, uh, reduced and replaced God in the center of our society. Uh, you know, uh, used to you go to some of these little small towns or older towns and church is like the middle center of the town. That's no longer the case. You know, it's everywhere. We've got problems, crime, massive amounts of stressed out people. And that's been the result. You know, how many of you used to watch Larry King live? Anybody? I used to watch Larry King live and he's tripped up many Christians on there. Because he'll always ask, what about Muslims? Will they go to heaven? And unless you just want hate mail and threats on your life, uh, you know, you've got to figure out how you're going to answer that. Franklin Graham one time answered it and said they'll go to hell. Anybody that doesn't know Jesus will go to hell. He had to hire Secret Service details after that because he started getting a 1,000 or so death threats every week. And, uh, and so that tells you what a peaceful religion Islam is, right? But a lot of people watch it. One day, uh, Larry King and his daughter, uh, Kia, were being interviewed by a talk show host. And, uh, and so he looked at the daughter, and he said, what's the, the best and worst thing about your dad? And Kia said, the best thing about my dad is he hadn't forgotten his roots. He's still the same guy today as he was before he became famous. That's the best thing about my dad. He's got his feet on the ground. And so the, uh, the uh, announcer, the, the talk show host said, so what's the worst thing about your dad, Kia? She said this, it does, he does, it's that he doesn't have a sense of peace about his life. She said, I wish he could find a center of peace about himself. The host asked Larry King, is this true? And Larry King responded that his daughter was right. He said, I don't have a center of peace. 
In fact, I'm looking for that peace even more seriously as I get older. I've interviewed all the world's religious leaders many times, and I know there must be something out there, but I've never taken that step of faith. Isn't that tragic? Isn't that tragic? Now, maybe you're here in this room, maybe you're watching online, and you're like Larry King. You've heard the truth. You've, you've heard the truth, but you've not acted on it. Uh, you know, you, you've never put your faith in the one who can actually make a difference in your life, who can give you, that can be that center of peace. That's the reason I became a Christian. I didn't have that center of peace. And I saw in a man named John Elder that center of peace. And I said, what is it that you have that I don't need? He said, it's a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not that you're, because I was in church. My short, little, sweet, little mama, you didn't skip church. But I didn't have that relationship. He wasn't the center of peace for me. And that's, that's a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you've had a warped view of, of Jesus, one of these mis, uh, misconceptions that we see people have. Maybe you're afraid because you just don't know God that well. But I want you to know you can trust him. Jesus said this. He said, don't be afraid. Just have faith. Don't be afraid. Just have faith. I tell you that this morning. Don't be afraid. Trust him. I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes. And as you do that, I, you know, my dad used to put me on the kitchen counter when mama wasn't around. He'd say, jump in my arms when I was a little bitty. And I jumped. Why? Because I loved my dad. I trusted my dad. I knew my dad. I knew he'd catch me. That's what God's asking us today. Trust me and jump into my arms. His arms are wide open. It doesn't matter what you've been, what you've done. Jesus' arms are wide open. One of Billy Graham's daughters went through a very public incident one time. It was on TV. She actually jumped out of a car in a busy intersection and ran away from her abusive husband, I guess. The divorce is very embarrassing, I'm sure, for the family. She said, you know, you don't ever want to embarrass your family, but especially when your dad is Billy Graham. So she's driving back home, and, and she doesn't know for sure what her dad's going to do or say. She drives up. He lives on a, on a hill and drives up to his house and she pulls up into the driveway right in front of the car. Billy's standing there with his arms out like this. And he gets out of her car. She gets out of her car. He just hugs her. He says, welcome home, honey. Welcome home. No, he didn't say, I told you not to marry that guy. He didn't say any of that. He said, honey, welcome home. That's what Jesus does to us. With your heads bowed and eyes closed. Maybe, maybe you've, straight away maybe you've had this misconception maybe you thought coming to church was enough you're watching on online maybe that's you I want you right now every head's bowed and eyes closed the camera's on me the camera's not going to see if you need to renew that you're going to trust in Jesus I just want you to raise your hand just raise your hand you're going you're to say Lord I haven't been trusting you like I should I'm going to trust you starting today going to jump off the counter. I'm trusting you to catch me. You put them back down. Lord, you see these hands that just come up. And Lord, I pray that and Lord, you help us to trust you. Lord, you said don't be afraid. Just have faith. Just trust me. Say, God, I'm so thankful. 